Our second reading for today is from the chapter of Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into the human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and he was in the house. He asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it in among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we think about the sacrifices Jesus made, we are tempted to maybe begin in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came and arrested him and and took him to trial. And of course, we think of his sacrifice dying on the cross. But uh, we have to remember that um, Jesus made sacrifices all through his life here on earth. It didn't just begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, he really made a sacrifice before coming to earth, even before coming to earth. He made the sacrifice of leaving the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven and he came here to earth. And that, that in itself was a, a very great sacrifice for the Son of God to make, for Jesus to become one of us, put on human flesh like you and I have. Uh, there's the old hymn, you may be familiar with it, Out of the Ivory Palaces into a World of Woe. Um, that's a great, a great old hymn, but it really says a lot about what Jesus did coming from from heaven making that sacrifice just to become one of us here on earth. So he was, he was challenged uh, with temptation. We know that he was tempted in the desert uh, by Satan himself. And so he was a human being. So he was tempted uh, throughout his life to not sin. Of course, he didn't sin. He never sinned. But he was tempted. He was tempted, just as you and I are. And then let's think about his life as a carpenter there in Nazareth. Now, uh, we don't know a whole lot about his life as a carpenter. Uh, it's pretty clear that when he was about 30 years old, his uh, earthly father Joseph was dead. So Jesus was the head of his family and he had this business. Uh, but he left it all behind. He left that business behind and became an itinerant preacher. You know, going from place to place, preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. Again, that was not an easy thing to do, to leave all that security behind him. 
and uh, had to depend upon others for his livelihood uh, also in doing that. So it was, a, it was a challenge for him to do that. But he knew he had to do that in order to honor his Heavenly Father was to leave all the comforts and pleasures of life in, in Nazareth with his own business, leave all that behind. He made a sacrifice. Um, he, he gave a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of effort to these 12 men. He worked with these men, and one of them betrayed him. One of them be betrayed him. And most of the time, these disciples didn't have the foggiest idea of what was going on. They just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand Jesus' mission on earth. Uh, they didn't understand really how they were to fit in. Um, like so many other people, uh, they were curious about this guy. He was a pretty curious kind of fellow, you know. Uh, he had a lot of powerful things to say. He had the power to heal people, cast out demons. Um, they were honored, no doubt, that Jesus said, come follow me. They were honored that he did that. But most of the time, they didn't have a clue as to what was going on uh, with, uh, with Jesus' ministry and Jesus' life. Jesus could even speak very explicitly to these men. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be ri risen from the dead. They didn't get it. And they didn't want to understand anything more than that. They, this is what Mark makes clear for us in this passage that Charlie just read for us. Jesus was so in their face explicit with what was going to happen to him when he went to Jerusalem, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want, they didn't have, they didn't want to ask any questions about it you know they just didn't want to didn't want to get into it just didn't want to hear that stuff but as they're walking one day uh, to Capernaum you know imagine 13 men walking together um, I was talking to Eric earlier about having been in the Boy Scouts when I was growing up I did a lot of hiking with about that many Scouts maybe more we never stuck together <laughs> you know when you're walking with a group of people that large there's always clusters of people. You know, there's some who are way out ahead of everybody else. There's ones dragging up the rear. Then you got that middle group, three or four people walking together. So I can imagine the disciples were kind of spread out as they were walking. And they were talking about different things. But when they got to Capernaum, Jesus asked, what were you talking about? What were you talking about? Oh, nothing. Nothing, uh, nothing, you know, uh, nothing unusual, you know. Well, Jesus said, no, you were talking about something pretty interesting. You were talking about who among you is the greatest, weren't you? Well, shucks, yeah, I guess we were. I guess we were. So Jesus decided to give them a short lesson on greatness in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. And he explained, if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to be last. You got to put yourself last. And you got to be willing to be a servant of everybody. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. Not pushing your way to, to the front of the line, but being, being free, willing to be back there. 
and to be willing to serve all. So he picks up a child. Isn't it a beautiful thing to picture in your mind, Jesus picking up a child? It's a beautiful picture to think of. He picks up a child. And he says, you know, if you, if you welcome a child like this into your life, you're welcoming me into your life. But you're also welcoming the one who sent me into the world into your life by welcoming this child into your life. You're welcoming me and you're welcoming the Father. Now, it's probably true in Jesus' day. I know it's true in our day. Who wants to take care of the children? Who wants to take care of the children? Who wants to train the children? Who wants to teach them? Who wants to put up with their antics? You know, kids absorb our physical, mental, and emotional energy, don't they? <laughs> you know, I could be around my three-year-old grandson for a few hours and I'm wiped. <laughs> you know, I am wiped. Uh, uh, he just pulls everything out of me, it seems. You know, working with children is, 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 is a hard assignment. It, it's challenging. It's, 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 it's not easy. And I, I have found in my ministry as a pastor, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I have to do is find people to work with the children or with the youth. It's hard to find those people willing to work with the children and with the youth. You know, they're, they're too loud. They're too antsy. They're just too much trouble. They're too rambunctious. But what Jesus is saying here is that if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, work with children, or I think he's also saying, work with people who are tough to work with, or difficult people to work with. Not only children, but the mentally or physically impaired. Work with them, the imprisoned, those with addiction problems the poor, the elderly. Other people who just need a lot of, a lot of care, a lot of energy because of the, 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 the challenges that they have in their lives. And I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that greatness in the kingdom of God is something that we bump into. It's something we bump into. It's not something that we are or even something that we become. Greatness is something we bump into. He says that if we take the time, we put in the energy to doing something that's not so great in the eyes of the world, things like caring for children, we're going to bump into greatness in the process. Because by welcoming children and others who have great needs into our lives, who, who are we really inviting into our lives? What is Jesus saying? You're inviting me into your life. You're inviting the Father into your life. You're inviting greatness into your life. Because who's greater than Jesus? Who's greater than the Father? If we bump into Jesus and bump into God the Father, life can't be any greater than that. We cannot serve or be any greater than that. Jesus is saying that by welcoming a child, a weak person, we're welcoming him. So see, see, greatness is something we encounter, we bump into, we experience. It's not something we are. 
It's what we encounter and experience. You know, uh, the world tends to think of greatness in, in, in terms of, of a talent, of a talent. You either have it or you don't have it, in terms of a talent. You know, Muhammad Ali, before it was Muhammad Ali, was Cassius Clay, remember? Cassius Clay. And what did Cassius Clay say? Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I am the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. Remember that? Remember that? I think he was <laughs> the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. But it's not about talent, whether it's athletic talent or artistic talent or any other talent, musical talent, doesn't define greatness in the kingdom of God. Or we are sometimes tempted to think of greatness in terms of wealth. If you got money, you're great. The world will tend to do that. If you're Bill Gates, if you're Warren Buffett, you're great, right? You got all those billions. Well, it's really wonderful that people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett do a lot of good with their billions, right? They got foundations, they're doing a whole lot of good. Money can bless a lot of people. But, of course, wealth, being able to do things with wealth is not the standard of greatness in the kingdom of God. It's just not. It's just not. We may think, we may be tempted to think of political power as greatness. Many people believe that Winston Churchill was the greatest person of the 20th century. You know, during the early part of World War II, before the United States was even in the war, there was uh, great concern by the British people that they were going to get invaded by Germany and they were going to lose their nation. They were going to lose their nation. So what did Churchill do? What did he say on the radio? We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them on the landing grounds. We shall fight them in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight them in the hills. We shall never surrender. And he rallied his people. And they, 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 they fought on, even without the assistance of the United States. Again, political power can do a lot of good to and for a lot of people. But again, in the kingdom of God, political power is not the definition of greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated spiritual greatness when he chose to spend a lot of time with a group of men who were self-centered, self-serving, egotistical people. That's who they were. That's who they were. They followed Jesus because of the personal glory that they could gain by doing so. Jesus knew all that, of course. He was very well, much aware of that. But he knew that by their being around him, they would eventually become the spiritual leaders that he wanted them to be. Jesus sacrificed, uh, he put up with a lot of spiritual maturity with his disciples. Remember what James and John wanted to do one day when they'd gone to a village and the people said, get out of here, we don't want to have anything to do with you, Jesus, or your disciples, get out of here. What did James and John want done? Do you remember? What did they want Jesus to do? Destroy the place! They said, just... Lord, just call down hail and brimstone like Sodom and Gomorrah. Just, just blow this place away. 
That's what they wanted done. Jesus had to remind them, hey, hey guys, I didn't come to destroy villages or people. I came to save. I came to save, not to destroy. And then, of course, as I shared last Sunday, uh, Peter decided that he knew better than Jesus when it came to going to Jerusalem, getting arrested and killed. He said, Jesus, you don't, you don't want to do that. I'm not going to let you do that. So, uh, you know, he had to have that straightened out by Jesus. And uh, Jesus had to remind Peter, hey, Peter, you got to get your mind on spiritual things, on, on heavenly things, not just on earthly things. Not just on earthly things. So he, he just put up with these guys. He just put up with these guys. And, you know, he, he even says in the Gospels, Jesus, ah, oh, how long do I have to put up with this? <laughs> you know? How long did God put up with this? But he did. Because he knew that these guys could become great leaders. You know, probably the great majority of people on planet Earth know two names very well. Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, right? I mean, most, most people on planet Earth at least heard those two names. What about the people who trained Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. Do you know those people's names? You know, do, you know, do you know the names of those Sunday school teachers? Those pastors? Those laities who were there supporting them and caring for them when they were children? And when they, do, do, you know those, do, you, do you know their names? God knows their names. God really knows their names. Because it was the influence of those people that allowed them to become the people that they became. So my prayer for us all is that we'll find this greatness that Jesus spoke about. It's a greatness that comes when we really care, when we're willing to serve all, we're willing to do the humblest work in the church, in our neighborhood, in our world. We're going to bump into Jesus. We're going to bump into the greatness of the presence of God in our lives as we endeavor to, to serve those who need our help the most. Amen?